We're going to read Philippians 3, verses 7 through 16. This is God's Word. But whatever gain I had, I counted as loss for the sake of Christ. Indeed, I count everything as loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. For his sake, I have suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish in order that I may gain Christ and be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which comes through faith in Christ, the righteousness from God that depends on faith, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and may share his sufferings, becoming like him in his death, that by any means possible I may attain the resurrection from the dead. Not that I have already obtained this or am already perfect, but I press on to make it my own, because Christ Jesus has made me his own. Brothers, I do not consider that I have made it my own, but one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and straining forward to what lies ahead, I press on toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Let those of you who are mature think this way. And if in anything you think otherwise, God will reveal that also to you. Only let us hold true to what we have attained. How would you pray with me? Father in heaven, um, this is your word that we approach now. And I pray that you would speak through me as as sinful as I am, that you would be pleased to to use me. Uh, Father, that you would uh, come and that you would be with us and that you would bless our hearing and bless our hearts that we might be changed by your word. We pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. One of my wife's favorite television shows is The Amazing Race. And I can't really say that it's one of my favorites. But I will watch it with her from time to time just for the prize of being able to spend time with her. All right? And those of you who are married understand this. Uh, sometimes you, you just have to watch. Uh, the, the people on the race, they undergo uh, emotional and physical difficulties every week because they're looking ahead to a prize. They're trying to, to get to the prize at the end of the race. Football started this week. I don't know if y'all noticed that or not. Uh, hadn't been much of the news about it. But football started this week. And, and all summer, these guys have been going through, you know, thousands of players all over the country have been going through grueling two-a-day practices because they have in mind this prize at the end that they're looking forward to that gets them through everything that they're going through right now. There's a similar dynamic that's set up for us in Scripture. Uh, in the Bible, believers in Jesus Christ not only endure suffering and difficulty, but they are able to endure suffering and difficulty joyfully because they're looking forward to the prize. Uh, Hebrews chapter 10 puts it like this. You had compassion on those in prison and you joyfully accepted the plundering of your property since you knew that you yourselves had a better possession and an abiding one. Uh, Paul, in this passage we're looking at this morning, says, and from the NIV, he says, I want to know Christ and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of sharing in his sufferings, becoming like him in his death, and so somehow to attain to the resurrection of the dead. Now, I, don't, I don't know about you, but when I read that, I would kind of like to cut the suffering part out of it. 
Okay, like if I could just kind of redact the Bible. I would like to know Christ and the power of his resurrection and so to attain the resurrection from the dead. Just just cut the suffering part out. Uh, because I don't know about you, but, but the things I prize uh, are comfort, security, health, wealth. Those are the things that I can latch onto and say, man, if, I, if I'd only had those... Those are the things that, that are the greatest prizes in this life that you can have. For Paul, the greatest prize that he could have is Jesus Christ. Uh, verse 8 again. I count everything as lost because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. It's the greatest prize you can think of to have. is to know Jesus Christ. And if suffering leads him to know Jesus Christ better. And while suffering is no fun and it's sorrowful and you don't have to like it, he still says, well, bring it on. That's okay. I'm for that. If it leads me to know Jesus Christ better. Because he knew, again, that knowing Christ is the greatest treasure he could have. Better than wealth. Better than comfort. Better than lots of friends. Better than the perfect life and the perfect city with a perfect whatever to enjoy. Knowing Christ is better. And so if, if suffering leads him to know Christ better, then he's all for it. Uh, 2 Corinthians 6, he says, he speaks of being sorrowful, yet always rejoicing. All right, they're, they're, they're both in the same phrase. Poor, yet making many rich. Having nothing... And yet at the same time, possessing everything. First uh, Peter, Peter says, Dear friends, do not be surprised at the painful trial you are suffering as though something strange were happening to you. But rejoice that you participate in the sufferings of Christ so that you may be overjoyed when his glory is revealed. If you are insulted because of the name of Christ, you are blessed for the spirit of glory and of Christ rests on you. Um, life is obviously not always easy. And becoming a Christian doesn't make it easier, despite what Joel Osteen may say. All right? be- be- becoming a Christian will not make your life necessarily easier because in becoming a Christian, you're actually committing yourself to swim against the tide of the culture around you. You're committing yourself to doing, a, 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 to doing lifelong battle with uh, the own lust of your flesh. That you're committing yourself to, to fight against your own desires. You'll face opposition from people who just don't get you. And the way you think about life. Or the things that you are committed to. The Apostle Paul faced all of that. And he faced more than that. And he's able to say, okay, bring it on. I'm fine with that. I want to know Christ and the power of his resurrection. And the fellowship of sharing in his suffering." I'm not giving up. I'm pressing on through all of that, straining toward what's ahead. If I gain Christ, Paul says, it doesn't matter what I lose. Because knowing Jesus Christ is everything. And so what I want to to do this morning is is look at why uh, knowing Jesus Christ was so great to him. What are these benefits that Paul saw in his life from knowing Jesus Christ? And there's three of them, and and they're a little bit long, um, so if you're note-takers, I'm I'm sorry. 
But um, the first one is this, is right standing with God. Right standing with God that then enabled him to face life and move through life with confidence. Uh, The second is that in knowing Christ, he found this ability to endure trials joyfully. And then finally, knowing Christ helped him to press on as he anticipated resurrection life with Christ. So I'll go back through all those again. But the first one, in knowing Christ, we find right standing with God that helps us to, to, to move forward in life with confidence. I was um, speaking at a, a retreat some years ago and there was a performing group there called Peculiar People. Uh, and they did this skit, and I can't remember the exact nature of the, the, the skit, but basically uh, it was a skit in which over and over again a little boy came forward to his, to his daddy and asked him if he loved him. Do you love me? Do you love me? Um, you know, Look, daddy, I made an A. Do you love me? Look, daddy, what I drew. Do you love me? Don't you love me? Uh, look at whatever. Look at the home run I hit. Don't you love me? And the dad would say, yes, no, I love you. I love you. And and finally, I don't remember exactly what happened, but but finally, the little boy got it. He understood that his daddy loved him because he was his son, not because of how he had performed, not because of anything that he had done. That his daddy's love didn't depend on his performance, and that made all the difference to him in the world. You know, if if, if you or I don't know that our Father loves and accepts us no matter how we may be performing, that can be a pretty big obstacle to overcome. But knowing that you're loved and cherished by your Father, no matter what, actually gives you great freedom to approach life. You can try new things. You can fail at things knowing that your identity is not wrapped up in whether you pass or fail, but knowing that pass or fail, you have the love and acceptance of your Father. Some of us aren't confident of that. We're not confident that our earthly father loves us. We're not confident that that God loves us. And so we find ourselves because of that getting, trying to be busy, trying to impress him. Look, look, I had my quiet time this morning. Look, I, I did something good. I'm going to a small group Bible study. Aren't you happy about that? Or on the other hand, we can kind of look at our life and how Frequently, we manage to mess things up and, and we're sure that he's going to bring the smack down on us at any moment. I mean, is he really still going to love me after what I did last weekend? Is, is he really going to care about me? Is he really going to accept me after that? And so we find ourselves kind of trapped in this performance roller coaster. Uh, I, this is going to impress him. Oh, I hope he didn't notice that. Because I'm done for for sure if if he noticed that. And there's no power, there's no vitality, there's no life to our Christianity. We're just trying to make it through. Paul's Christianity had vitality, it had life, it had power. You might even say it, it had rhythm because he had Christ. He knew that he had the love of the Father. He knew that he had right standing with God that nothing could take away. Nothing could take away. And so he was able to move forward in life with confidence and joy. He could go up and and swing for the fence, and if he struck out, that's okay. Because he knew he had the love of the Father. Verse 9 
Um, and be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which comes through faith in Christ, the righteousness of God that depends on faith. We looked at this extensively last week. We talked about it in the catechism this morning. But this central truth that changed Paul's life was the realization that he couldn't perform well enough to gain right standing with God. He couldn't perform well enough. Do you realize that? Do you understand that? That not even your best works, not even our best labors can gain for us right standing with God because even those best works are tainted. Paul realized that that he couldn't do enough, but he realized that Jesus Christ had done enough. That Jesus Christ had obeyed the Father perfectly. That Jesus Christ had died for our disobedience. And Paul understood this gospel message that by trusting in Christ, he could receive right standing with God as a gift. He was seen as one now, not as Paul in all his sin, but, but covered up with the very righteousness of Jesus Christ. Y'all know those little, um, those little Russian dolls, whatever, they stack on top of each other? Right, the, the, the little ones go inside the big ones. The gospel is like God is taking one of those little dolls and he's placing it inside a larger doll. He's taking you and he's placing, quit laughing at this illustration. He's, he's taking you and he's, he's placing you inside of Jesus Christ. So that instead now of seeing you as you are, he sees Jesus Christ when he looks at you. It doesn't matter that you haven't kept the law. Jesus Christ has kept the law in your place. It doesn't matter that you deserve to die. Jesus Christ has died for you in your place. You're in Him. And so when the Father looks at you, He's looking at the Son. He sees you through the lens of what His Son has done. And so He accepts you based on that. And you can be confident that you have the Father's smile because it's not about you. It's not about what you've done or haven't done. It's about what Jesus Christ has done for you. And if you know that, you can quit trying to impress Him all the time. And you can quit worrying that He's going to kick you out of the house. You can move forward in the Christian life with confidence and joy, knowing that you have the smile of the Father through faith in Jesus Christ. So that's the first benefit, and that's, that's decent, but we got two more. Uh, the second benefit in knowing Christ is that it gives us the ability to endure trials in life with joy. Because we know that the trials are meant to bring us into a deeper fellowship with Jesus Christ. That's what's driving him in all this. He wants to know Christ better. He wants to know this Lord who has given him life. He knows Jesus is the greatest treasure of all, the fountain of life. And so if suffering helps him to know Jesus better, then he's all for that. And so he speaks of this uh, desire to know the power of his resurrection and, to sh- and of sharing in his suffering. Let's, let's talk about that power of the resurrection first. Another place Paul talks about this is in Ephesians 1, where he talks about God's incomparably great power, the power that raised Jesus Christ from the dead. That's the power, the Scripture says, that has got to be at work in us now, if we're actually going to be changed, if we're actually going to be new people. 
It's not my power working so hard. It's the resurrection power of Jesus Christ working in me that changes me. Um, We need power that is able to raise a dead man. Because that's what we are by nature, dead men and dead women. And so we need, we need not our own power working. We need power from outside of us, resurrection power working in our lives. Um, but resurrection power can be a little painful sometimes. Uh, I remember I had an old wooden deck one time that I was trying to clean. And I was trying to find the easy way out. So I just got the spray on deck cleaner. Right? Just spray and walk away and everything's fine. You don't have to worry about it, right? Probably paid $19.95 for it off of some commercial. And it did fine on the new part of the deck, but the old it, just, it did nothing with. So I got the garden hose out, and you're able to you know, put a little more force to it. And that did a little bit better. What I really needed, although I didn't bother to get one, what I really needed was a pressure washer. And you guys know what a, a pressure washer can do. It brings some power. It can actually have cleaned that deck. In fact, it said, although I haven't tried this, it's said that some of them are powerful enough to actually take your finger off if you get in the way of the pressure washer while you're cleaning whatever you're cleaning. We need power from God flowing into our lives. Resurrection power. Now, you can imagine the power of a pressure washer which could take a finger off even though you're using it for a good thing. When, when God's resurrection power is at work in our lives getting rid of those old habits, uh, putting to death those old sins that we've struggled with for so long, that can be painful at times. But Paul's okay with that. He's okay with suffering that may come because of his stand for Jesus Christ, because he knows it's bringing him to know his Savior better. Let me read you a, a, a quote from Charles Spurgeon. He says, I can truly say of everything I have ever tasted in this world of God's mercy, and my path has been remarkably strewn with God's loving kindness, I feel more grateful to God for the bodily pain I have suffered and for all the trials I have endured of different sorts than I do for anything else except the gift of His dear Son. Here we wake up and say that in the morning. The thing I'm most thankful for outside of Jesus himself are the trials and the bodily pain I've suffered. I'm sure I have derived more real benefit, permanent strength, growth in grace, and every precious thing from the furnace of affliction than I have ever derived from prosperity. The things that have really grown me in my relationship with Jesus Christ have not been the materially prospering times. It's been the hard times and the suffering times. And, and I think the way this works is that even though we know all this, like I can, this, this especially is one of those messages that's, that's easy for us to say, easy for me to say, and then hard for us all to really believe when we walk out of here. To say that my greatest prize is Jesus Christ. We all go, yeah, I'm all for that. And then we walk out and what our, our greatest prize is something else again. It's comfort or it's wealth or it's who likes me or it's how I'm doing in school or whatever. And so this, my greatest prize is Jesus Christ becomes this kind of theoretical thing that I talk about on Sunday, but doesn't necessarily pan out in the rest of my life. We're caught up in our present life. But when we suffer loss, when we lose one of those things that we had depended on so much, one of those things we look to for, for life, 
the effect that can happen in the life of the believer is that we now turn to Jesus Christ, who is better by far. And so suffering as much as we hate it is designed by God actually to drive us toward Jesus Christ where we can be changed by Him. Uh, we're changed by Him as we identify with Him in His suffering. Uh, D.A. Carson said, Paul wants to identify with Christ in His sufferings, to participate in those sufferings, to know Christ better by experiencing suffering just as Jesus did. Part of being united to Jesus, uh, as we're united to Him by faith, part of that, Romans 6 says, we're united to Him in His death. And part of what that means is, is that we're no longer under the rule of sin. If you're a believer, you're not dominated by sin the way you once were. You can still sin, but it doesn't have the same power it once did because you died to the rule of that sin when you died with Jesus. That's kind of the inward spiritual thing. But there's also an outward component to this. And and that suffering we undergo, the suffering we undergo in everyday life simply because we belong to Jesus Christ. If you go back and look in the first chapter, or excuse me, the second chapter of Philippians that we looked at a couple of weeks ago, uh, we saw Paul pointing to us to Jesus as our example. And, you know, at kind of the end of this, this great section of chapter 2, he talks about Jesus before whom every knee will bow, every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord of the glory of God the Father. And this is a great glory statement. But before Jesus got there, he went through a road of, of humiliation. A road of, of suffering was what he had to travel. And the scripture is saying that as believers, we travel the same path as our Savior did. We shouldn't expect if we're united to him to not have to go through, that we would not have to go through what he has gone through. Uh, Romans 8, 17, if we are children, then we are heirs, heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ. If indeed we share in his sufferings in order that we may also share in his glory. See, I, I don't know about you. I want glory without the cross. I just do. I want glory. I want the good results without the cross. Paul teaches us that there's no glory without the cross for Jesus or for us. Uh, Jesus Christ, our Savior that we're united to, was a man of sorrows. And for Paul, suffering and becoming like him in his death is the natural and necessary consequence of being joined to someone who is a man of sorrows. Well, of course that would be what we would have to go through if we are united to Him in faith. And so when we we undergo suffering for the sake of the gospel, Paul's saying we shouldn't be surprised. And we should even in some sense, even though it's hard and even though it brings us sorrow, there should be an element in which we rejoice. Listen to Acts chapter 5. Uh, the apostles uh, have been persecuted. Verse 41, Then they left the presence of the council, rejoicing that they were counted worthy to suffer dishonor for the name. Okay, Rejoicing. Rejoicing that they had been able uh, to speak the name of Christ and that they were counted worthy to suffer dishonor for His name. 
So one of these things, if our knowing Christ, one of these great benefits, it brings us right standing with God that helps us to move out in life with confidence. Uh, knowing Christ helps us to find joy even in the midst of tri- the trials of life because we know God is using those to shape us and to cause us to know Christ better. And then knowing Christ finally helps us to press on as we eagerly anticipate resurrected life with Christ. How many people have ever been in a car for like three or four hours with crying children? Okay, this is, this is one of the worst experiences in life, I think. Um, if, you, if you've, well, i got to tell you a story first. I have a friend, he was, he, well, he's dead now, but he was in Vietnam. He was shot at, he was shot down. Anything you can imagine happened to him over there. And he said he was driving his two daughters or two nieces to Mississippi one day. And finally, he just jumped out of the car. He slammed on the brakes on the side of the road and just started smoking a cigarette and pacing around the car. And he yelled at them. He's like, I've been shot down and shot at and blown up, but I've never been through heck like this before. <laughs> All right? I've never gone through it. And so if, if you've been in that screaming baby long trip in a car, you know what it means to press on. To press on. We're, gonna, we're getting through this. We're going to make it. Home is there at the end. I'm going to get a shower. We're going to get something to drink, something stiff to drink. Um, and, and there's going to be a bed, and then we're going to sleep. Uh, we're going to press on. Paul is pressing on through the suffering because he knows what lies ahead. Uh, verse 11 that by any means possible, I may attain the resurrection from the dead. Uh, the NIV translation, he says, so that somehow to attain the resurrection from the dead. And it's not so much that Paul has this uncertainty about whether this is going to be there or not, because in other places he speaks very plainly that this is a certain reality. But he realizes that to get to the resurrection of the dead, there's a path God is appointing for him to walk, and he's got to walk that path. He's got to press on. If, if, if making it there means suffering, then fine. Let's go through the suffering to get to what lies ahead. The prize that lies ahead, the resurrection of the dead. And so he can say things like, verse 12, uh, I press on to make it my own. Verse uh, 13, brothers, I do not consider that I have made it my own, but one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and straining forward to what lies ahead. Verse 14, I press on toward the goal. Paul is is pressing on toward home. He knows that this life in some ways is like a miserable car ride. All right, with screaming infants. And he knows what lies ahead. He knows the resurrection lies ahead. And he is pressing on toward home. He's not there yet. He hasn't been made perfect, but he's going forward. He's pressing on to this place where he's going to be without envy, without lust, without greed. A, a place where there's no more crying, no more screaming, no more, no more death. But most of all, a place that, that 1 John 3 tells us a place where we will be like Jesus because we will see him as he is. That that's the prize of the end. We will be like Jesus Christ because we will finally see him as he is. Uh, Chris Lungard wrote this. He said, in that day, God will remove the blinders of weakness and sin from our eyes so that we can see Jesus in all his loveliness and majesty. 
because we'll see him clearly, we'll love him completely. For there's nothing unlovely in him. To the limit of our recreated capacity, we'll see the fullness of his nobility, excellence, holiness, righteousness, kindness, mercy, goodness, every beauty that can make us cherish him. And that fundamental principle in us that we imitate what we admire and become what we worship will be fulfilled. Adoring him with all our hearts, with nothing to hinder us, we will be like him. And so Paul is pressing forward to that day. He says, I want to know Jesus. He is the source of right standing with God that lets me move out in life with confidence. He is the source of resurrection power in my life now. And he is the source of of resurrection life in the world to come. I want to know him. I want to grab hold of him and grab hold of the life that is within him because he has taken hold of me. I want to to latch tightly to him. I want to know Christ and to find life in him. And so I press on. Jesus is a prize. Jesus is a prize. What's your prize? This morning, what's what's your prize? What's, What's the prize you're living for? What's the the prize that you're putting all your energy into getting? Does it really compare with the prize of knowing Jesus Christ? You know, it's kind of like all the other prizes that we we go after in life. They're kind of like trying to get life out of them. At the end of the day, it's like trying to wring water out of a dry sponge. There's just just nothing that's going to come out of there. And so Paul is pointing us to, to the prize of Jesus Christ. He says that's where life is, is in knowing Him, even if it involves suffering. Uh, I'll close with this. Samuel Rutherford was a, a minister in Scotland many years ago, and he was being sent to prison because of his stand in Jesus Christ. And the place, the place where his prison was was Aberdeen. And so on his way to prison in Aberdeen, he wrote this letter. And this is what he said. In haste, making for my palace... In Aberdeen. Making for my palace. In, not I'm on my way to prison. Y'all feel bad for me. In haste. Making for my palace in Aberdeen. It was a prison. But if Jesus Christ was there. And if he could know Jesus Christ better there. Then in his mind. That place was a palace. Can the treasure that you're living for now. Do that for you. Can the treasure that you're living for now. Take your sorrow and turn it into joy. Jesus Christ can. Let's pray. Lord God, we do openly acknowledge that these are great and wonderful truths. These are amazing truths, and yet they are hard truths. And we know that they're true, and yet we find ourselves holding back. We find ourselves longing for those other prizes so father help us be gentle with us lord but help us to know christ help us to know christ help us to see that there is no better thing than knowing christ father if if there are some of us right now who are just in a bad place with suffering then then would you meet us there would you help us to see jesus there we ask it in his name amen